Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We are looking at a beautiful blue lake at Bear Lake, Idaho, and the water is Wait, coming Bear Lake, Utah, come on. No, no, we're on the Idaho side. That's my state. Do you think that do you think the lake is symbolic of of us and our marriage? Because you know, part of it's in Utah and part of it's in Idaho. And you were this little <laughs> Idaho farm girl, and I was this urban, this highly urban, sophisticated guy from Logan, Utah. <laughs> right. right. We, we were both hayseeds, let's face it. Oh man, we were. But Those this were lake symbolizes it, right? Half you and half me. Yeah, we we've been looking back at our high school days this week and thinking how crazy we were. That we were so naive and so young <laughs> and so clueless. Oh my goodness! But now we have three high school seniors that have graduated this year. They seem pretty smart, actually. Our grandkids, our grandkids <laughs> are so much smarter than we were at their they age. They are. And I have been over in Montpelier selling Eve's book. If you listened last week, you know that I am on a mission to fulfill a dream for a dear friend who's a wonderful writer. But we're also just preparing for our reunion. This will be, let's see, we could figure it up. Our first reunion, well, let's not even do that. No, let's it's not just do too that. many years. It's just too long. But you know what you said, honey, it's, it's, we watch our grandkids, and, and it is interesting. They're growing up. I mean, when you think of us and our children, our children are now mostly in their 40s, right? So their they're growing up years and ours were not that dissimilar. They were beginning to use electronics, but, you know, it was similar. But you look at these kids today, our grandkids, and how uniquely separate and different their lives are as they grow up from what ours were for what our children's were it is amazing and it's all the more reason we have to work at parenting and work at communication and work at being able to live in a different world as we try to communicate and at grandparenting I yeah mean, it exactly. really is so different this this book that i we've been publishing for my friend who passed away last summer uh, is such a trip back in time. It's such a lovely time when kids grew up on farms and had a lot of responsibility and so on. And I was saying to my friends the other day when I was talking about this book, you know, the kids today just don't have it hard enough. I mean, those kids work their little tails off and we're so responsible and so on. And, and one of my friends said, oh no, they've got it coming. <laughs> they've got hard times coming and they do have hard times coming in a totally different way. Totally different way. It's so, so scary. So anyway, you know, we wanted to, we're going to do a three letter lesson today. We're getting back to our little mini, mini series. And those of you who listen regularly know that we're, um, we've done about 20, 20 something of these little, little three letter lessons, which, they're just our attempt to sort of work in our own lives, the things we want to in, incorporate into who we are. Into, you know, we talk a lot in, in our own planning sessions. We talk about the outer, which is the things outside of our family, our, our work, our business, our 
investments, whatever, and we talk about the inner, which is within our family, but then we always we always try to focus too on the inner inner, which is the things inside of us, our individual characteristics. And we've mentioned before, you know, patterning it in a way after Benjamin Franklin, who had these certain words that he would work on and try to make them part of his character, part of his personality. And that's kind of what we're doing with these three-letter lessons, just little three-letter words that symbolize a certain way of thinking or a certain concept we believe in or a certain type of characteristic we want to put into our lives, right? Right, exactly. Um, We have done that ever since we were little kids, little married kids. (laughs) Um, We used to have words above our head, thanks to you, (laughs) with the mobile across and over our bed so that we could remember. So so that we can remember what words we've been working on. When you said that, it made me choke. <laughs> because, yeah, we, we've always thought this was important, but we're, we're refining it. And it's going to become a book someday, these three-letter lessons. But the one today is just one we've been thinking about very recently. And we probably should have put it off and thought about it a little more. But we're just going to share some beginning thoughts on a subject that might resonate with a lot of you. Um, The three letters are S-A-N, standing for straight and narrow, or you can put an ampersand in there so it's straight and narrow, the little plus sign. What's an ampersand? The little ampersand, the little characteristic that means and, you know. Oh, sure. Looks kind of like a little music clef, you know, you've seen ampersand. So it's not a letter? Well, no, it's that it's a little for well three letter words. Well, but we can we can substitute <laughs> okay. or you can use the A. So straight and narrow. And to be honest, let's start out by saying it's always been a little bit of a troubling concept. At least for me, you can say what you've thought, Linda, but straight and narrow sounds so rigid. It sounds so like letter of the law. There's just one way to do things. There's just one way to behave. And if you step off that straight and narrow, you're in trouble. And it's almost threatening in a way. It's almost um and and sort of cloning. It's like there's a you can't you can't have too much individuality. You can't have too much variety. You've got to just stay with this little thing that is defined. You know, I don't know. Am I am I making sense? Do you even even within our faith? Um, we talk a lot lately because our current leader, our current prophet, our current president, um, really has made it a powerful and popular phrase to say the covenant path, this path we have to follow of covenants to God. And it's a beautiful concept. It's a beautiful the idea of covenants and and so on are wonderful. But we know some people who are like, well, maybe I'm not right in that same sequence. Like, you know, I got baptized, but maybe I'm not married yet. And I wonder if I'm off the covenant path. I wonder, you know, why isn't my life progressing exactly the way that I wanted it to? So when and I don't think that's what it means at all. No, I don't either. But I'm just saying that the, the straight and narrow or the covenant path to some people sound confining and and sort of stereotyping. 
but but they shouldn't sound that way. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Exactly. And in fact, in some ways, it's freeing. I think you, yeah. you've been reading this uh, article by David Brooks. Yes. By, by Arthur Brooks. Arthur we're Brooks, gonna get, yeah. We're going to get to that. Um, yeah. But it's freeing to be on this path. This is a really interesting article. And it says that it's the way to be happy. It, it's really the way to be happy. It's the path to be happy. Yeah, well, we'll get to that article, but I, I think you're right, honey. And I mean, obviously you're right. There's a wonderful scripture that says, know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And and it's referring to religious truth. It's referring to commandments. It's referring to God's laws and so on, which so many think of as confining, but which in actuality free us. They free us from error. They free us from making the same mistakes that other people have made they 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 free us in a number of ways right yeah <clears throat> excuse me i'm choking on on these concepts so <laughs> so let's um let's think a little about that and let's read a little from this article and let's redefine maybe what straight and narrow means but before we do it's interesting that the article we're going to refer to by this Arthur Brooks, who's a Harvard guy and who's really an interesting writer, writes a lot about aging and different kinds of intelligence and so on. But but his real thing is happiness and where it comes from. And um, I think it's interesting to think, Linda, about the way he starts the article and the way we used to start several of our talks. Remember there was a period when we were – we were starting out a lot of our lectures with the idea, the very first line from the book Anna Karenina by Tolstoy is is extremely interesting because it says, I hope I quote this exactly right, all happy families are the same. All unhappy families is unhappy. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own unique way. Right, right, and yeah. th- and that seemed like that that's really a challenging concept, and we sort of said, well, that means that happy families have certain things in common, right? They have family traditions, they have family laws, they have family they, responsibilities. They know how to love, to repent, to forgive, and all those things that are important to families. Um, but I do think that it is really fascinating to think about that in context with being happy yeah Um, you know it's important and instead of being restrictive and you know thinking i'm in this box it makes us happy to do those things so let's read the first uh little couple paragraphs from arthur brooks recent article in the atlantic magazine um which goes like this why don't why don't we just Uh, Okay, Leo Tolstoy's masterpiece of love and betrayal begins in a moment of chaos for the Oblonsky family when the father is discovered to be having an affair. With the parents distracted and distraught, the children run wild all over the house and every member of the family felt there is no sense in their living together. Misery reigned. And then I might have quoted a little wrong. Go on. Then hence, hence, the novel's famous opening line, happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. So so what does that really mean? What, what does that really tell us? And 
Let me let's just read a couple of other quotes here that that are really fascinating on this topic. So Arthur Brooks goes on to say, in general, positive things in life are more similar to one another than negative things are. Researchers have tested this observation in novel ways. For example, scholars have noted that attractive faces seem more alike than unattractive ones. And we rate people we find pleasant as more similar than people we find unpleasant. I've never thought of that. Isn't that interesting? That is really interesting. In one study specifically of happiness, two scholars in 2013 showed that people find happy words more interchangeable than unhappy words. Wow. So so the whole isn't that interesting that the, the whole idea of happiness is just a simpler concept than unhappiness. It has more common denominators, whereas unhappiness is just sort of all over the map, a million different reasons. I just find that really fascinating. Um, in the journal, I'm quoting again from Arthur Brooks here, in the Journal of Happiness Studies earlier this year, two psychologists reported on a project that measured the similarities of people's self-evalued personalities and compared the results with the subject's ratings of their own emotional well-being. The researchers found that happier people are indeed more similar in character to one another than unhappy people are. (laughs) Wow, that is a lot to do to figure that out. Wow. I wonder how big their their audience was uh, uh, trying to figure that out. That's really incredible. And then here's here's a here's the closest that Arthur Brooks in this Atlantic article gets to uh, a religious statement or or relating to people of faith. So uh, he refers to Jesus, or as Jesus put it, to achieve bliss, we must enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Tolstoy was right. There were lots of ways to be unhappy, but only a few to be happy. I just find that wow. fascinating. Just that to- is, it, it really is incredible. I mean, we say that in our own religion all the time, but the people, other people come to that same conclusion through their study uh, is just fascinating. And here's the final uh, Arthur Brooks's sort of summary or the, the the answer to things is he says, very happy people socialize on 11 more occasions each year with relatives than unhappy people, <laughs> seven more times with neighbors and five more times with friends. They also attend religious services seven times more each year. Um, so, you know, it's all about sociality. It's all What's about that? relationships. I mean, the bottom line here basically is that it's the relationships that that matter and that create this happiness that we're all seeking so much. That's the common the common pattern of people who report or believe that they are happy has a lot to do with their relationships and not very much to do with their achievements. We'd be fascinated to know how they did this survey to figure this out because that is very interesting, very complicated, but very interesting that they. Uh, you know, brought it down to that small fact of sociality. So let's take a little break and then come back and really delve into this thing of the straight and narrow, the covenant path. What what do they really mean? And 
is it true that there are pretty basic, simple ways we have to follow if we want to be happy? So hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. All right, so just winding up what we were saying earlier, let, let us read you the last little sentence in this really interesting article by Arthur Brooks in the recent issue of The Atlantic. And Arthur Brooks is also the host of an interesting podcast called podcast appropriately called How to Build a Happy Life. So here's sort of his conclusion. Then we want to get to our conclusions about this straight and narrow. And that's the word he uses here in his last paragraph. Okay. Staying on the narrow path demands a conscious focus on your relationships, not leaving their quality intensity to chance. It means treating them with the with the kind of seriousness that people usually reserve reserve for their money or their career. It also means chipping away at the aspects of life that can distract you and crowd love out. But everyone has the potential to do these things, even the Obolinskis. <laughs> even the people in Anna So I just find that fascinating that, uh, you know, and and it really is so consistent with the gospel where where the lord is really telling us you know and in fact i i once met a man who said a very interesting thing to me linda and i haven't thought of this for a long time he said i think the word commandments is a little unfortunate because it sounds so restrictive and so yeah so you know uh critical and so on but he said, I think we should, instead of calling them commandments from God, we should call them loving counsel from a wise father. Exactly. Who wants us yeah. to be happy and is giving us these things we call commandments as loving counsel and as the guidelines to how to be happy. Exactly. And, you know, it's amazing that it took this man... <laughs> Arthur Brooks. Arthur Brooks, uh, so much time and effort and surveys and digging in and so on <laughs> to come up with exactly the same, <laughs> the same idea. Well, but I like it because it's, I it's love it. Of, I love it coming from using outside, secular yeah. means to prove religious truths in a way, and and I think and and that conclusion is what we've said so many times, what we've thought of so many times, what we really have built a lot of our writing career and speaking career around the simple distinction that, you know, we think achievements make us happy, accomplishments, achievements, and they do to the extent that you always feel good when you've worked hard and you've accomplished something. That's, That's certainly the form of happiness. But then in the long run, relationships have far more to do with happiness over time than achievements. Right. Achievements right. come and go and you're happy one minute and you're happy if you win, you're sad if you lose, basically. But relationships are the thing that matters. And and that's why we have these little phrases like you can't take it with you, you know, for achievements or for money or for whatever. Yeah. But we believe you can take it with you 
if you're talking about a relationship. Well, and it it made me think so much about the fact that I get so focused on other things. I mean, we're um, getting some rental property ready, and there's a million things to do to yeah, get ready. Yeah. And and our, you know, this is happening. That's happening. I'm concentrating on selling this book, and I've suddenly realized that. Gosh, I haven't talked to this grandchild for a long time. Yeah. I haven't talked yeah. to this, but I had a lovely lunch with some friends this week, and there was so much connection there. It was kind of a birthday lunch, so we were loving up each other. But it was <laughs> so good to feel that connection with friends, and I I think connections are so important in our lives. But we, it's an investment. We have to take time to make it happen, whether it's with our spouse because we can get so busy that we're you know, crossing in the night and not speaking much, or, or we could be mad at each other. We, we, <laughs> we spend a lot of time during the week being mad at each other or irritated, I should say. But anyway, um, it really is so important to have those connections and to follow through on the things that you know are true and right. So really what we're trying to do here, if you think about it, Linda, and, we, and believe us, when we're talking about these three-letter lessons, we're not preaching we're trying to convince ourselves that we can do better on this. These are the things we want to live by. And we're trying today to redefine in our own minds this idea of a straight and narrow path, that it's not restrictive, that it's not sort of confining or, well, it is in a way, but that it's, but it, it is so for our own good. It free, you, you said it earlier, Linda, it frees us rather than restricts us because it is counsel from God Almighty. It is counsel from the divine source that essentially says, you don't have to rediscover the wheel. You don't have to try everything and make all the mistakes in the world in order to figure out that they're mistakes. You, what you have to do is believe in the counsel that God has given through all the ages of time sometimes which we call commandments and so on, and laws, but they are essentially the the most simple and basic and proven ways to be happy. Well, what you just said just sparked something that I listened to yesterday. I was in the car a long time uh, this weekend. I was listening to a podcast by a man whose name is David, and I can't remember his last name, but he started the Other Side Academy for... Um, felons and convicts who have been in and out of jail, in and out of jail their whole lives. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he started telling about his life and it was astonishing. He was a gangster. He was awful. He was a little guy who sold papers to his neighbors and then went to their house to get the money. And if they weren't home, he went in their house and took all their stuff, <laughs> took jewelry and he got wow. money from wherever he could. He said, I just was a gangster. I just, he didn't use that word, but he was. I mean, he said, I was, I, I, I w became a drug addict. I went into jail two years. I got out and was in on drugs the next day. So went back again, walked up three years, four years, 10 years. And then he finally went to a place where he could actually heal. And he stayed there for two years. And then he begged him to stay because he got it. He got it that the real purpose of life was 
giving love to people and really gathering them in and letting them know that they were worth something. And he was good at it. And now and he's keeping what we call commandments. Right, right. And being on that narrow path was was the way of life. Wow, he had to discover that in a really hard way. It was really hard for him. But now he has changed the life of so many people that are were on the path that he was on. But this whole love just coming from him, listening to this, was amazing. He said, I just can't believe how thick I was. It took so many years for yeah. me to get that. He had a he said, I had a really hard life growing up as a child. My father was an alcoholic. My mom was a good person, but you know, I just didn't have a really good childhood. But I don't blame them for that. I mean, you know, once you leave your house, you can't keep blaming your parents for what happened to you. I totally blame myself. Honestly, it was fantastic. I loved it. I love that. I love the way you explained it, Linda. And I think it's just, it's such a powerful thing to to say, you know, there are, I mean, this is a weird thought, but if you were to read the criminal code, how many, how many ways are there to break the law? Thousands? How many laws are there? How many, in trying to define our behavior, and it gets back, I mean, you know, the Pharisees in the Bible had, you know, like 700 things you couldn't do on Sunday or whatever. In other words, if you're thinking in the negative, what are the, what are the ways to break, what are the ways to break laws? What are the ways to do bad things? It's just an infinite variety, right? Right. But then you get to what are the ways to be good? Follow God's laws and love people. I mean, right. th there's the Jesus becoming the ultimate simplifier and saying, well, you know, these commandments from the Old Testament are good. They're true. They're the law. The law is right. And the law is, a, you know, ways to be happy. But let's simplify it even further. Love God and love your fellow man. So, so, and then it starts making sense when we say the straight and narrow, they're just, there aren't a lot of things. They're just pretty simple and you just do them. Or even Jesus's analogy that getting into hev heaven is like going through the eye of a needle, you know, and, and right. in the modern vernacular, people say, well, then, oh, then it's impossible because no one could fit through the eye of a needle. But then when you study and when you've been to Jerusalem many times like we have, and you know that the eye of the needle was the little the little short gate in the wall around Jerusalem where you couldn't get through it unless you camels had to go through it and the camels had to get down on their knees yeah. to go through it. So it's this highly symbolic thing. You have to be humble. It's just one path and you go through it and that's how you get there. And that's what we're talking about that you know, and that's what I think Tolstoy meant when he said all happy families are the same. All happy people are the same in that they have to do certain that see how you fall into the word have to, right? But that there are certain things that history proves and surveys prove and data proves, if you're Arthur Brooks writing this article, those are things that make you happy. And they're not very many of them. <laughs> right, right. But you know, that sounds simple. It's hard. Because uh, when you think about how much time do you spend really for, you know, repenting and forgiving people for what they did? 
what he said about his parents is so true. I think so many times he's just like, oh, my woe is me because I've had such a hard life. And I, you know, I just blame this and this and this, this happened to me. And so I am who I am because of that. No, we are who we are because we are who we are. Yeah, exactly. And it really is to taking credit for that and then going through with that and getting it in the context of what we're talking about is just really interesting. Well, and I love that you use those two words, honey, um, repent and forgive. Um, a really remarkable guy in our faith tradition who has been gone a long time, but who still quoted a lot of men named Hugh Nibley once, once said a fascinating thing, and I'm just paraphrasing this, but he said, you know, we believe, again, total paraphrase here, but we we believe in this hereafter, and we believe progress continues after death in, in heaven or whatever you call it. But he said, we will find there are two things that are vastly harder to do in the hereafter than they are on this earth. So we better do them now. Mm-hmm. Guess what those two things were? Yeah, repent. Repent and yeah, forgive. forgive. Yeah, And there is some, I think, some marvelous truth to that. And so, again, if you were saying, where's the straight and narrow? Where's the way to be happy? Where's the covenant path? Where's the the route that that everyone should try to find? You know, one of the, the, the two of the landmarks on that route that would happen over and over on that straight and narrow path would be repenting and forgiving. Right, right. right. That's something you do all the time, have to continue all to do. All the time, and having a forgiving heart. I mean, instead of blaming people for things that have happened, just say, you know, he had a hard life or she had, or something happened to them yeah, that day that, that affected them and really try to understand why and if we spend more time doing that, we could just be a lot happier. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to end by going back to the, our, our the president of our church, our prophet, who we believe is a prophet, and Russell M. Nelson. I, I want to go back to his phrase, the covenant path, because this straight and narrow thing we're talking about, the way to try to stay on it is to to keep the promises you've made to God. And then he will keep the ones he's made to us. But maybe I'll leave you the last word, but I'll end on a lighter note. There's another church leader years ago who was pretty funny. His name was Jay Golden Kimball. And, <laughs> and here's what he had to say. I'm not always on the straight and narrow path, but I try to cross over it as often as I can. <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. Well, we leave you today with uh, our best wishes. And I do have to have one more little plug because if you want to settle into a beautiful summer story, go to Amazon and look up My Seventh Summer by Eve Crane Dayton. It, it, it will put you in a different world. Of and there's a lot of repentance and uh, forgiveness going on in that one too. So give it a try. You can tell Linda's got a one-track mind right now, which is good. But go back and listen to the podcast from last week, and you'll hear all about this book. We love you all. Thanks for joining us on Ayers on the Road. Remember the three-letter lesson: S A N, straight and narrow. And we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye bye.